Hey guys, I'm Caitlin Adams, and welcome to the Kirk Students Podcast. We're the student ministry from the Kirk Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. This is where you'll hear sermons from Josh Lyle, Colin Grant, and other guest speakers. You can look in the show notes for small group questions and talking points. Make sure you subscribe and share with anyone who follows Kirk Students. If you want to know more about us or get in touch, visit us at thekirk.com or follow us on Instagram at Kirk Students. Now, let's jump in. ago we just kind of said let the youth have it and you have and you've taken it and you run with it and we're proud of you we're so proud of you um, and so next Sunday is a chance where we get to lead from the front and we get to be on stage and we get to lead the church and um, that is not um, an abnormal thing in the Bible that is a normative thing uh, students teenagers young kids praying for revival and it happens um, interceding for others and things happen so this is the norm when the youth have it and so uh, we're going to talk about transitions today um, I do have a few of my favorite transitions uh, on the notes thing if you want to uh, s- scroll through. We've got some pictures. Uh, so hold up for a second. So this is the transition of the relational life. So you can start off as friends, and then maybe one day you sneak an umbrella in the rain because you got feelings for her, and maybe she also shares those feelings for you, but you're trying to figure it out because it's kind of weird, so you don't know if you can step into that space yet. Then you do step into that space full of hope, and then boom, you start dating, right? That's Jordan and my story. Uh, kidding. And then uh, you profess your love for her and you ask her, hey, will you marry me? And then she says, yes. And then one day you get married and then uh, one day you're expecting and then one day you move from uh, being husband and wife to being parents, right? So that's transition. You're always transitioning, always moving from friends to dating to uh, engaged to married to husband and wife to parents. What's the next one? This is one of my uh, least favorite transitions. This is a road in California. Um, and or, uh, no, sorry, Texas. Uh, we were coming back through West Texas, and this is what it is. All of a sudden, it's like the state stopped doing their job, and they were making these lanes, and then you go from paved road to country road, and your truck gets all messed up. All right, these next two are probably my favorites, though. So it's the next one. Tom Brady becoming a buccaneer. Uh, things you never saw happening. Transitioning from New England to Tampa Bay, and then this is, this is my favorite one, the last one. Uh, LeBron going from Cleveland to Miami, then back to Cleveland and then to LA. Life is full of transitions, and the way you kind of handle the transition is much more important than the transition itself, and this is kind of what we're going to talk about today. So when LeBron went from Cleveland to Miami, and they played San Antonio for a bit, uh, San Antonio had this beautiful campaign. Uh, It was masterful the year that they won it, uh, won the finals or whatever, and it was very simple. It said, we are built, not bought, and I love this, right? Like, Miami kind of paid for their transition. They, they put superstars in place to make something happen. But San Antonio said, hey, we're going to play fundamental basketball, and we're going to outwork them. And then from that, you see the fruit of a finals championship uh, from, you know, MVPs and all this stuff. And it was very simple. It's like, well, no, we're, we're not bought. We're built. And what we're going to see um, in the transition narrative that we're going to look at today is that there are transitions that you can only build for. You can't buy them. You can't buy success when you are, can you turn me down just a little bit? I feel like I'm really loud. Um, you, you can't buy success uh, in life. You really can't. And, and, and I, I think it's funny that you say money can't buy happiness. Well, that's true, but money can buy you a ton of things. It can buy you a jet ski. 
It could buy you, a, I don't know, a motorcycle. Try to have somebody frown while on their favorite motorcycle, right? Like, no. It, but money doesn't buy happiness. You can't buy successful transitions um, because not all transitions are meant to be enjoyed. Some transitions are going to hurt. Some transitions are going to pull you into being a new person or a new thing or pull you into new areas. And as we go through this House of Prayer series, and uh, we're almost done with it. This will be one of our last weeks. We want to look at transitioning. And I love transitions. I love looking forward to the new thing because there's always a new thing, right? Caitlin and I have been talking about, um, she, she, she had planned to be here on Wednesday night, but then the doctor said no. And I was like, look, the season you're transitioning into is much sweeter than this. Like you're walking into something better than this. It'll be your first ministry. Like now that she's moving from husband and, and wife, they're kind of moving from that to now they're going to be parents, right? So there's this transitioning happening all around us. Some of you guys in sixth grade, you just got up here. Welcome. Transitioning, right? Some of you guys are going um, in-person school. Some of you guys are online. All, all these different transitions that we're navigating. However, um, there's a transition in the Bible that I love more than anyone else, and it is from Moses to Joshua. So if you have your Bibles, uh, open up to Deuteronomy 34. We're just going to read a few verses, um, and then we're going to go to Joshua 4. And so Deuteronomy 34, verses 5 through 10, uh, say this. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord. And he buried him in the valley of the land of Moab, opposite uh, Beth Peor, but no one knows the place of his burial to this day. Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was undimmed and his vigor unabated. And the people of Israel wept for Moses in the plains of Moab 30 days. Then the days of weeping and mourning for Moses were ended. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, praise the Lord, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. And there, had not, there has not arisen a prophet since Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. So we're going to stay in this one for a little bit. So there's a lot of transition just in these five verses. First, you have the death of Moses. That's an easy transition to identify from life to death. How many of you guys have known somebody who was here and then is no longer here? Right? Thinking of even just this year, like Kobe Bryant. It's still weird to think that he's just not around, that he's not encouraging people on Twitter or like posting pictures of his girls. It's so weird, right? Um, Chad, Chadwick Bozeman, just this weekend, right? Like that's so foreign to us that like these people who we thought would kind of be forever are no longer. However, it's not abnormal. This is the norm. I've not met a person yet who is not going to die or who has not experienced death. And this is a transition. And every single time that this happens in, in life, when, when someone enters into death, it's hard and it's sad. No matter how bad or good of a person they were, no matter, like there's an impact that you leave. And there's a legacy that you leave, good or bad, there's kind of attachment to it, right? Like, man, this is hard. Even if you didn't know the person very well or at all, or there's just something, there's a void now that can't be filled by this person. This place that only they could fill it can't be filled anymore. So there's the first transition, the death of Moses. But then in verse 7, it says his eyes were undimmed and his vigor was unabated. That means that he was still going hard at 120 years old. 110% all the time. Let me have it. Let me prophesy. Let me lead your people. Let me put my hands on your people. Let me pray for your people. Let me argue with the Lord. Like all these different things. Moses is my favorite biblical character because no one does what he did. And it's very simple. He argues with the Lord. Dude. He's, he's, got, he's got some courage. He's like, well, no, Lord, you said this, and I'm holding on to this, and you don't go back all these different things that most of us don't have really the courage to say, but the Lord is saying, no, say them to me. Remind me of the promises I've made to you. 
Because in that, you're going to remind yourself. So he's still going hard years later. He's 120 years old, and he's like, no, I'm, I'm not done fighting it. I'm not done until the Lord says I'm done. So they remember the vigor of Moses. Now, verse 8, this one gets me every time. Moses led the people of Israel just in the wilderness for 40 years. That's not counting Egypt. That's not counting all the time that it took him to argue with Pharaoh. So let's just say 42 years. Let's say it took him two years to really get the people um, of Israel out of, out of Egypt, right? So let's just say 42 years. And in verse 8, um, it, tells, it tells us that they mourned for 30 days. For 40 years, that's all you get is 30 days of people being sad. Like he's earned more than that, right? But no. Because as, as well as Moses did, he's still just a man. He's just a person. He's just a guy that the Lord had put in a specific place at a specific time. Really, Moses' whole calling was transition. It was bringing Israel from this place to this place, bringing people from this place to this place. That's his whole call. And after 42 years, that's all you get is 30 days of people being sad about you. However, there's, there's an important thing in verse 9 and 10. And Joshua, the son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him and did as the Lord commanded Moses. So verse 9 is very important because someone else is going to step in. There is not um, a position in this world, professionally, that if you leave will not be filled by someone else. Just not. This is evidenced by the fact that Backstreet Boys used to rule my world, yes, and then one day they just... Nobody liked their music anymore. And then another band came in their place. And then you have One Direction. I guess that's more our thing now, right? And then they kind of split up and they do their own thing. And then other bands have kind of risen in their place and taken the You're like, people are just replaceable. Positions are replaceable. All these different things and transition and people come to a space and they're like, oh, I'm in this good space. But then the space, their kind of time in that space is over and someone else comes in. So Joshua steps in, right, and he says, hey, I know Moses, I know the Lord, I've, I've, I've asked for wisdom, Moses has prayed for me, and he does well, but then there's this other part um, that really only Joshua does, um, or Joshua kind of initiates this, and he says, and there has not arisen a prophet since in Israel like Moses who knew the Lord face to face. This is Moses' like prime moment, he's honored. They honored Moses, they said, as, as, as hard as it was, as difficult as it was, as crazy as it was, like, remember, they walked through the sea, not through a puddle. Like, as crazy as this was, um, who else was here? Like, who else could do this except Moses? And so Joshua honored him, um, and now we're going to go to Joshua chapter 4. So jo- just a two pages over, a page over, Joshua chapter 4, um, it, it's, it's quite a few verses, but we're going to kind of break them down. So then, now Joshua's in the lead. Joshua's kind of running the show. Um, and, and here's what I know about Joshua. Um, there, there would have been no one else who saw the Lord like Moses did except Joshua. So when Moses says, Lord, show me your glory, what he's saying is like, show me who you are. And he's like, well, God says, well, I can't do that because if I do that, you'll die. But I'm going to put you in this rock and then I'm going to walk by. You can see my back. Joshua would have been there. Every time, like, when, when, when kind of there's this revelation, like, when the glory of the Lord fills the house, when all, like, Joshua's there, he's in that moment. So not only did he know Moses well, he knows the Lord well. Joshua is set up to succeed. And kind of today, in, in this age, we have this very, like, oppressor-oppression view, right? Like, there, there really is no middle ground. Either you're an oppressor or you are the oppressed. And that's not really the case in life. There, are, there is middle ground. Like, I, I, I would love to say that things are black and white, but they're, they're just not. And Joshua is a book of the oppressor. Joshua is an oppressor. He is 
doing the Lord's work. He's, he's kind of taking this land for Israel, for God's people. And it gets to this, this moment in chapter 4 where they have to kind of do the same thing that they did leaving Egypt. They have to go through the Jordan. Now, it's, it's not the Red Sea, but they have to cross through the Jordan. And they have to pray, and the Lord intercedes, and he kind of stops the water from moving so that, that, that the people can walk over. And then Joshua does something um, that Moses really didn't do, and we're going to see all the transitions here. So I'm going to start in verse 1, Joshua 4, verse 1. When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people from each, tri uh, from each tribe, uh, man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's foot stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. So the Lord tells Joshua to set up an altar. Take these things from the place that you have been and put them up as a reminder. Essentially what the Lord is telling him, I think I have this on a note, is the Lord tells Joshua to take some inventory. Remember where you've come from. Remember who you got through with. Remember what happened, how it happened. Remember what it felt like. Like remember because now you're transitioning from this side of the Jordan to the other side of the Jordan. And there's better things over here for you. There's, there's no more oppression from the people of Egypt. There's no more confusion. There's no more kind of living in obscurity. Like you are God's people and people are going to know. As a matter of fact, Moses says just a chapter before in, uh, in Deuteronomy, no, maybe it's Exodus 33, not Deuteronomy 33, where Moses says, well, wait a minute. If you're not going to go with us, God, don't send us here because what else distinguishes us from your people if not from being your people if not your presence? You come with us. You go with us. You lead us out. And Joshua is being told by the Lord, take these stones and put them up so that you can remember. The Lord tells Joshua to set up an altar from where they had crossed. This is a transition from this side of the Jordan to the next side. Verse 4 through 7 says this. Then Joshua called the 12 men from the people of Israel, whom Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. Uh, that this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do the stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. The Lord tells Joshua, do this. And Joshua obeys. Never a wrong time for obedience. Never. And then what Joshua says is there's a purpose behind this. Because there will come a people after you who, who will not know your story. They won't care about your story. They won't care about your transition. They won't care about what you went through. They won't, care, they, they won't even care about who you went through it for or why you went through it. They won't even know. They won't care. It doesn't matter to them because it doesn't affect them. And if that's not the sin of my generation, then I don't know what is. We are blissfully unaware because it didn't affect us directly. We are blissfully unaware because we've kind of lived in this pocket, right, of, of goodness and really prosperity and favor, especially in, in the United States. Like this age group, we've kind of had the run of everything. Like if you're the, the millennial, like we invented avocado toast. Granted, we just put avocado on toast, but the goodness of the Lord is in that. And like we, we've been able to do what we want to do and say what we want to say and burn down buildings and stand up for, for wrongdoers. We've been able to do this really without much pushback. But we are not only responsible for, we are accountable to. And Joshua says there will come people after you that won't know your story. They won't know why 
you're marching on Washington. They won't know why you're holding up signs that say Black Lives Matter. They won't know why you're trying to fight for rights. They won't understand it, and even more than that, they won't care. So take these things and put them in place so that you can't help but see it. They can't help but see it. And when the time comes that people no longer care about who you are or what you did or why you did it, these stones will be standing. Joshua obeys. It's very interesting. Now, I don't know another way to carry a stone, and I also don't know how, how big these stones were. However, you guys uh, know that guy, the mountain? He's like the strongest person in the world. Uh, he's, he's on Instagram. He's, he's, he's a beast. He's, he's the strongest person in the world. He takes these big old stones, because this is how you measure who's the strongest person in the world. Is. He takes these big old stones, and he picks them up, and, and, and then he puts them back down. And that's how you know who the strongest person in the world is. However, they have these little things that you can, like, roll up the stones. And they're different sizes, right? And as you go up, the stones get heavier and heavier and heavier. I don't know if that's kind of what the stones were here. However, I have never once, because this guy's on Instagram, you can see his videos, and it actually really is impressive. Every time he picks up a stone, he kind of bends over like this, grabs it in the front, and then uses his legs and his back and holds it out like he's kind of giving the, the stone a hug, right? Joshua tells them to do this differently. He says, take the stones and put them on your shoulders. Take the stones and put it on your shoulder. Now, um, I've, I've kind of looked into this, and, you know, here's your story, right? The stones are the story. That's, it's, it's not the transition from this side to the other side. It's what was in the middle of it, right? Like, the, 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 this, this matters. The middle of it matters. It's not just the moment. It's the movement, but the moment matters. And Joshua tells them, put the stones on your shoulder. And I think when I, when I watch this guy, the mountain or whatever, who's Icelandic or something, he picks up these stones. He picks them up really just to put them right back down. He doesn't pick them up to carry them. And I think that's the difference because Joshua is telling his people, the Lord's people, don't just pick up the stones as a cause, carry them as a burden. This is your transition now inwardly, right? Like, I'm not just feeling for this thing for the moment. I'm feeling for this thing for the movement. Black lives don't just matter today. They matter tomorrow. Like, avocado toast is not just good today. It's good tomorrow. So we got to keep this thing going. And Joshua says, this is the way you have to do it. You have to pick up this stone. Somebody has to feel the weight of this transition because it matters. Someone has to feel the weight of the, like, the heaviness of what it is to lead people and to love people and to sit with people and to listen to people. Someone has to feel that weight. So Joshua says, don't just pick it up and put it back down. Pick it up and put it on your shoulder to carry it because things are heavy. Life is heavy. And as you get older, things don't slow down. They speed up. I really thought that, like, towards the end of your life, because, you know, transition, life to death, things start to slow down. I wouldn't know. I've never been there before. However, what I do know is this. All the people who are, who are older, they might have stopped doing some stuff physically. They might have slowed down physically. But mentally, emotionally, passionately, there's stuff going quicker than ever. Especially people in the faith, right? You have all these old people, these older people who've grown up in the faith, who've been faithful to the church. They might have retired from work, but they haven't retired from praying. They might have retired from work, but they haven't retired from receiving a burden from the Lord. They might have retired from this, but they haven't retired from being faithful. Things are speeding up. I don't think life slows down as you get older. I think it gets heavier. It gets faster. I have chased my children around every day. And like as they get older, they just get faster and they take longer steps. And is the Lord not asking you to do the same? To take bigger steps. To realize and recognize the transition and like, man, this might be messy, this might be weird. However, wherever you are, here you are. And Joshua says, uh, these will be a sign among you. There's purpose to it. There's purpose to the transition. There's purpose to the, to the weirdness. There's purpose to the awkwardness. And our last note before we go on. 
um, when those after us have not only not cared about our story, but they've even forgotten our story. When they have forgotten kind of all, all these, these sermons that will go up on podcasts and all the small group experience, all those things, people will forget about those. Other people who kind of looked on the outside, but you won't. You won't forget. I've said hundreds of millions of words in front of tons of people, and most of those things don't, don't stick. They don't remember all that stuff, but they do remember when I sit with them afterwards or like like when they come up and talk to me or or when we're playing basketball like you guys will remember that you might not remember the words that i say but you'll remember how i made you feel i'll remember our relationship i'll remember the transition from on the stage to off the stage that's what i remember and all these things that are going up um there's going to be a moment where people have forgotten about you and what what are you leaving about like what are you putting in place so that they don't forget because it's purposeful. The stones will be the reminder. Verses 8 and 9 say this. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. Just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan. And the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Now I don't know if this is true. I don't know if those stones are there to this day. However, when this was written, they were. And what I know is Joshua asked them to do something. And does anybody know the history of Israel in Moses' time? They were not super obedient. They hated Moses. We don't want bread. We want meat. Okay, we don't want meat. We want something else. We don't want this. We want this. We don't want the Lord. We want this calf, right? Like, they, they're not obedient people at all. However, Joshua steps in, new season, new leader, new vision. Like, oh, absolutely, we'll do this for a time. Because then after Joshua comes Judges. As a matter of fact, in the second or third chapter of Judges, it says, and there grew up a generation after Joshua that did not know the Lord. So then they go right back to it, right? But in this season, Joshua's found faithful, and they do what he says Israel obeys, which is weird. So Joshua obeys and Israel obeys. The leader obeys, the people obey. Your influence matters. Representation matters. Everything about you matters. What you do, what you say, how you say it, why you say it, where you say it, when you say it, it matters more than you know. If you do not give weight to the transition, how will you expect other people to give weight to it? If you don't care about where you've come from, then why would other people? If you don't care about what you're going through, then why would other people? The transition matters because Moses and Joshua cared. And, and they set things up in place with other people around them that care. And so if you don't care about it, if it's not a burden to you, then why would it be a burden to anybody else? I'm not talking about a negative burden, though, like something that really changes and shapes people. Israel obeys the stones are our story, verse 10, and then we're almost done. Um, for the priest bearing the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded, yes and amen, Joshua to tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. So Moses' legacy is still in there, right? The people passed over in haste. Now, in my Bible, so I read this Bible four, five years ago. This is the second Bible I ever read through. Um, so five years ago, and five years ago, I read the people passed over in haste, and I put an arrow, and I drew the word scared. The miraculous had already happened. Like, they had already passed over. The transition was pretty much complete. All they had to do was walk, but boy, they hurried, because what if God doesn't keep his promises? And we can't afford to be those kind of people. We cannot afford to be moving in haste, because we might miss somebody. We cannot afford to be moving faster than the Lord is, because we might miss him. I don't want to be so, so uh, kind of hurried in my life that I miss the things the Lord has given to me. 
I don't want to be so hurried in my life that I miss conversations, that I miss nine square, that I miss basketball, that I miss having coffee. I don't want to be so hurried in my life that I miss you. I don't want to be so hurried in my life that you guys have things that you're going through, but I'm, I'm way over here. That's, that's not a missional life. That's not a transitional life. That's a hurried life. I don't, I, don't, I don't want to be too quick to be done. And they moved over in haste. They moved over quickly because what if God doesn't keep his promise? What if the Jordan closes? What's crazier is their parents had walked through the ocean, but no one told them that God did it. Their parents didn't tell them the story. They, they, this is a generation removed. This is a generation born in the desert, born in the wilderness, born in the struggle, born in the transition, and no one told them that God had been faithful. And that's not going to be my story. I'm not, I'm not going to not tell you what God has done. I'm not going to not tell. I, I, I don't have the, the privilege to, to kind of keep things from you. Their parents didn't tell them, and they did not know. No, you can rest here. God is good. Their parents didn't tell them, oh, you're hungry? That's fine. The Lord provides bread. He provides me. And, and it, it wasn't even on them. They didn't know. But their parents never told them. And there's people in your circle, there's people around you that don't know. They go to church. They know the Lord. They know of the Lord. But they don't know what he's done. And they need to know. They need to know what he's done for you, what he's done in you, what he's done through you. They need to know where you lead and where you serve and how you navigate and why you love. They need to know these things because these things matter. The miraculous had already happened and they were still scared because they did not know about the transition previously. They did not know their own story. Here's the last few verses. Um, and when all the people had finished passing over the ark of the Lord and the priest passed over before the people, the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel as Moses had told them. Moses' legacy, they're still listening to him. Praise the Lord. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. And on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in sight of all Israel. And they stood in awe of him, just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. There is someone watching you always. Someone is watching you. Some ones are watching you. I promise you. And if, if the miraculous has already happened, and we're kind of done with this part of the transition now. The next few verses tell us that there's more transition to come. They didn't step over like ready to chill out. They stepped over ready, to, ready for war. If you, if, you've never, if you think the Bible is boring, A, you haven't read Genesis. I get it if you start in like Numbers or Leviticus. Even Numbers is pretty interesting. Leviticus, I could do without that. But um, if you think the Bible is boring, read the book of Joshua. They're literally slaying giants, like physical giants. You know those bones that people keep finding? Like, man, giants existed. Yeah, we've known that for thousands of years. Science keeps slowly catching up with the Bible. And, like, that's what the entire book of Joshua is about. It's all about conquest and transition and slaughtering enemies and slaughtering nations so that God's presence and his people can be in the same place at the same time for the same purpose. And we're like, no, the, the Bible is boring. We're going to punt on that. These people are passing over ready for war. The Bible is boring, but we're going to watch Twilight? That's a, that's a pretty good series. Should have used anything else. I like Twilight, the movies. I haven't read the books. I like the movies. They passed over ready for war. Another transition. We're going from peacetime to wartime. They might have struggled in the wilderness, but nobody was really fighting them. Now they have to go initiate the fight. And here's our last um, 
kind of thought, I think this is the last note on the thing. Now Israel has a new home. They have new tasks. They have a new leader. They have the same God. All these transitions that you go through in your life, man, uh, middle school, high school, weirdest times ever. Physically, emotionally, mentally, you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, and I get that. It doesn't, I wish I could tell you it gets better. It, it, it just stay, you just learn how to, how to navigate it better, I guess. I don't know. But I've come into a new home. I've come into new tasks. My roles have changed. We have new leadership. All these different things. However, we have the same God, the same story, the same purpose, to know Jesus and make him known, to let the youth have it, all these different things. And what we have is people picking up causes and not carrying burdens. Causes will fade away. And one of these days, no lives will matter. But if you carry it as a burden, your transitions will carry more weight, not only to you, but to the people around you. This is our last illustration. So um, I played football back in the day, and um, it's been quite a while now, actually, over a decade since I last played football. But um, tomorrow I will turn 29, and I want to run a half marathon. And it's supposed to, to rain tomorrow. I'm going to go run a half marathon on, on Riverside, um, rain or shine. So my wife told me to go run in the rain because flu days are crazy. So I'm going to go run this thing in the rain. And here's what I know. Four years ago, I was 315 pounds. Out of shape, got hurt playing football, really heavy, all these, some of you guys know this, right? But tomorrow, I've never run a half marathon before, never run that far. The furthest I've ever run is 10.4 or 10.4, whatever, and that, that was an accident. I was by myself, and I, I went farther than I thought I should, than, than I thought I should. So there's this transition, right, from I used to be um, in a pretty good athletic shape. I used to be able to run and play football and do all these different things, play baseball. I was pretty good at that. I enjoyed it, right? All these different things. And then um, you get, you get you know, hurt or injured or whatever, and then you transition into to not being able to do these things. And then one day you wake up, and you're going to be 29 the next day, and my legs hurt, and my back hurt, and my neck hurt, and my neck hurts, and my, my head hurts, and all these different things hurt. I, 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 I'm discovering joints because now they hurt. And I just didn't know. I'm discovering that muscles are tense because I didn't stretch. And all these, I didn't even know some of these muscles that I, that I had, right? Um, and, and I don't mean like, I mean like, where did this thing in my leg come from? That kind of thing, right? And I'm discovering all these things about me. But what I know is this. In order for me to do what I want to do tomorrow, I have had to be building up for the last however many years I've been doing this. I've been running and doing all these things. And there's been transitions. And it's been really hard. Like, I still don't really enjoy running. Like, I wish I did. I wish I was like, oh, this is my thing. And then I do it a lot, but, like, I don't, it's, it's not my favorite thing. I'd much rather just, like, eat pizza, but I can't because then I'll gain a ton of weight. Um, however, in these transition pieces, it matters to me. It might not matter as much to my wife as it does to me or to my kids or whatever, but it matters to me. And I can't pick up running as a cause and expect to go run a half marathon successfully. I have to carry running as a burden. And I have to stay at it a little bit. And I have to stay with it a little bit. And I have to exert some energy that I didn't know I had. And I have to kind of learn how to create some margin for myself because it matters to me. So in our last, like, minute, I want you to uh, just kind of where, wherever you are, you can kind of, like, close your eyes. And we'll, we'll try this little exercise. Um, I want you to identify to yourself. You can go ahead and start now. You can close your eyes now. Um, I want you to identify something that matters to you. This thing does not, you don't have to think that it's important to other people for it to matter. Man, if that thing is baseball, heck yeah. If that thing is 
gymnastics, sure. If that thing is, is, I don't know, making good grades, if that thing is winning your school for Jesus, awesome. If that thing is leading, what, just something that matters to you. And then for the next 30 seconds, I want you to pray that the Lord would give you a continual burden for that thing. I want you to pray that the Lord would see you through the transition. That you would go through a space, mark that space so that when you, when you are where you want to be, so tomorrow after I finish my thing, I would have been where I want to be. I can look back and say, oh, I remember what got me here. Take about 15 more seconds and just think on that thing. Pray on that thing, whatever it is. Whatever that thing is that's important to you, that matters to you. If it matters to you, it matters to God. If it matters to you, it matters to me. If it matters to you, it matters to Caitlin. Matters to your friends. All right, let's look up. The Lord has given you this, this thing, whatever it is, so that you can carry it, not just pick it up. And if you need help with this thing, if you need someone around you to help you drive this passion, like, man, I love my youth group, but I, I need this something. I need something more to happen. I love my small group, but something isn't clicking. I love my home, but something's wrong in my home. So, I love my parents, but something's wrong in them. All these different things. And you need people to walk beside you. It's going to be easier for us to be passionate about what you are equally passionate about. Carry it as a burden and know that we love you. Let me pray. Jesus, you are good to your people. We thank you that we can see your goodness in the transitions. We thank you that you have built a house of prayer out of this church. God, you're a good God. You give good gifts, and we know it full well. Lord, I pray for the passions of, the, of, of our students. I pray for the transition of our students. Lord, I pray that, that we would be able to look back and remember how we got here, remember why we got here, remember 